Good morning, my friend. I hope you're doing well. I am excited to be with you here today on the Dr. Lee Warren Podcast. It is the 30th day of July 2023. We had an incredible book signing event at Bible Supply Store. Boy, Craig and Nancy and Alyssa Fabic are just incredible people. And the community of North Platte and the central Nebraska area, we are so grateful that you came out and supported. Hope is the first dose. We had... Um, hundreds of people come by and um, I think the bookstore got a good return on their time sold a bunch of books and we are grateful for your support it was lovely to meet so many of you and if you were there and shook our hand took a picture um, somebody Regina uh, brought a bag of Cheetos for me because uh, she said she was concerned that I might not have enough Cheetos for the day I appreciate that <laughs> I'm gonna eat them too I haven't eaten them yet but I will Um, Anyway, thank you so much if you came out. And we are excited to announce we have numerous other events coming. The next um, major one I want to put on your radar is if you live in the San Antonio, Texas area, the first week of September, we're going to be there. Uh, There's going to be a book signing at the Downtown Twig Bookshop and then uh, at the Bernie Bookstore. And then we're doing a live event with Max Lucado. And then much more details to come on that. And you'll have an opportunity to submit some questions that we might uh, use as part of our conversation between me and Max about hope. So stay tuned for all of that. Uh, we are going to do a virtual book club event for the paid subscribers of the podcast coming up soon. Um, probably next weekend. I'll give you plenty of notice about that and we'll have some opportunities to submit questions ahead of time. So it doesn't turn into a, um, chaotic thing we're going to have a few questions selected ahead of time that we'll go over and i'll do a reading and and then just have a nice conversation about the book for the paid subscribers and then we are going to also do some events for book clubs that have uh, more than 10 people who have purchased the book and want to do a virtual book club with us i'll give you some opportunity to write in about that and we'll set those up in coming weeks We have a bunch of exciting things coming up. 700 Club uh, in August, uh, 100 Huntley Street in Canada in October. We have uh, numerous uh, other things happening. Um, And then our uh, exciting thing that we're going to be in November at back at First Presbyterian Church in Bonita Springs. Um, And I'll give you information about that. If you're in the Bonita Springs area, we'd love a chance to see you, shake hands, and and connect again. Um, That's one of our favorite churches. And Pastor Doug Pratt out there uh, doing an amazing job. And we're so grateful for that support. Okay, today, my friend, I have one thing I want to talk to you about. It's Sunday, and I don't want to tie you up all day because I hope that you're at church hanging out with your family and your and your uh, brothers and sisters in Christ and, and that you have a, a little day of Sabbath and some rest and, and uh, just praying that you're going to have an amazing day. So I don't want to make you spend too much time with me, but if you're working out or driving and you're listening to a podcast today, I want to give you something to think about from the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk about how to change your mind away from two thought cancers that will steal your joy. If you want to become healthier, feel better, and be happier, there are two thought cancers that will tear you up, and you got to learn to recognize them and radically resect them and replace them. And we're going to talk about that today via six lessons that I learned from my time in the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. It's a little short book, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. I am excited to tell you that Tata is home. He got home after uh, numerous flight delays at midnight, night before last, so uh, he's pretty tired. But Lord willing, we're going to record the first in a while uh, live 
new episode of Tuesdays with Tata later this afternoon to have something new for you. Tata's got a bunch of episodes up his sleeve for you, and he's ready to go uh, and excited about that. So we'll be meeting with Tata this afternoon on the podcast, and you'll get to hear that on Tuesday. It was hilarious at the book signing yesterday. I think as many people came out to meet Tata and Lisa (laughs) as they did me. Um, Tata is a local legend here in North Platte already, and... uh, uh, hopefully some of these uh, events around the country you'll have a chance to shake his hand or give him a hug and, and say hi to Tata as well. So today we are going to eradicate two thought cancers that will keep you from becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier in your life. It is self-brain surgery of the highest order that we first learned from the Bible, and I think it's going to help you. It's consistent with neuroscience. It is exactly in line with all the things we've been talking about uh, on Hope is the First in Hope is the First Dose and on the podcast about how to change your mind and change your life starting today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. All right. Hey, if you spend five seconds looking at the news today, you'll see that the world, especially American politics right now, seem to be crazy. There's just all kinds of double standards and and crazy things and politicians using their power to indict other politicians that might be political rivals and you just pay attention for a few minutes and if you're objective and not uh, hopelessly biased towards one party or the other you'll see there's two standards at play there's one party that can seem to do whatever they want another party that seems to be indicted and accused and harassed no matter what they think um one party that claims everybody's a fascist or a Nazi while at the same time behaving like they're the fascists and Nazis is crazy, crazy times. I'm not a political commentator and this isn't a political podcast, but just open your eyes and pay attention and you'll see things are kind of crazy right now. And not just that, but we've had three years where there's been COVID-19 and fights about vaccines and all kinds of crazy things. And now there's a, and a worldview ideology that seems to be uh, taking over everybody and demanding that you see things their way, and if you don't, then you're a a phobic or this or that or a racist or whatever. And so basically right now there there seems to be a lot of stress and a lot of challenge to uh, people of faith. And so I just want to remind you that it's not the first time in the world that something like that has happened. And so the number one thing I want to remind you of is God is in control. God appoints kings and kingdoms, and there's no doubt that he is never surprised by anything that's going on in the world. The second thing I want to remind you of is the Bible says it clearly. There's nothing new under the sun. And in the realm of politics or anything else that you might be dealing with in your life, this isn't the first time in human history 
that something stressful has been happening in our society, in a society, okay, and that God's people have been under stress. And so zoom down to your personal life, my friend, and just think about some of the things that are going on. You've had or will have a massive thing. You've had trauma or tragedy or difficulty. And that's why I wrote my book, Hope is the First Dose, is how do we have a strategy in place, a treatment plan for what we're going to do when we struggle with the hard things in life. And sometimes it's not a particular massive thing. Sometimes it's a whole bunch of miniature massive things, little things that add up over time to us asking ourselves and shaking our fists and asking God, why does everything feel so hard all the time? I'm so tired of being so tired. Why does it happen this way? Well, let me just remind you that in the Old Testament times, politicians weren't just filing lawsuits against each other. Kings were executing their enemies. They were gathering their families of the defeated kings and making them watch as they murdered their children and raped their wives. Old Testament kings, when they beat somebody in a battle, they punished them, they eradicated them, they they killed them. And so if you were on the wrong side of a political fight in the world of the Old Testament, and even in some countries today, it was not good for you. So today's situation is not like that, not like it used to be. So keep it in context. Just remember that this isn't the first time things have been stressful, not just in politics, but in all of life. In the 7th century BC, there was a prophet named Habakkuk. He's got a three-chapter little short book in the Old Testament of your Bible, and you can go to BibleGateway.com or the Bible app. And by the way, there's a brand new Hope is the First Dose five-day Bible study you can get for free on the Bible app, the Version uh, website, the Bible app on your phone, and check it out. Type in Hope is the First Dose or my name, Lee Warren, and you'll find that Bible study over 25,000, almost 50,000 people have completed the I've Seen the End of You Bible Study based on my previous book. This one's brand new. Uh, It's not on the homepage yet, so you have to actually type it in the search engine, and I'll put a link in the show notes. But that's a great Bible study for you to do if you want to know more about hope. So check it out. But nevertheless, if you are into studying the Bible, it would behoove you to spend 45 minutes to read the three-chapter book of Habakkuk. If you're concerned about how stressful things seem to be in our society or in your world right now, because I'm telling you, there's a thought cancer that Habakkuk gets to the root of. And if you have this particular type of thought cancer, if you don't stop thinking a particular set of thoughts related to the circumstances of your life, friend, then you will never be able to become healthier, feel better, or be happier. If you don't change your mind and learn how to radically eliminate this particular thought cancer that Habakkuk tells us all about, you're going to have a hard time dealing with the situations and circumstances of your life. So I just wanted to preamble all of this by reminding you that this isn't the first time in human history that things have seemed stressful. And if whatever you're going through, it's not the first time in human history that somebody's dealt with this thing. I've lost a child, so have a lot of other people. And that doesn't minimize my pain, but it does give me context to understand that God is not singling me out for trouble, but that my troubles, although extraordinary to me, are part of the ordinary fabric of human history. So the setting of the book of Habakkuk, let's get there. In the 7th century BC, there's a prophet named Habakkuk, and he had seen enough of people turning away from God. He was watching his people fall away from the living God, and that was, in his mind, was the thing that was harming them the most. It wasn't the politics. It was them abandoning their God, who he knew as their source of strength. So the setting is that the nation of Israel had fallen away from God, and Habakkuk was the prophet who was trying to encourage the people to turn back towards God. 
and he was really frustrated. Habakkuk was upset. He was tired of watching them continually sin and leave God and not do the things that they were supposed to do. He was crying out to God for answers. And here in chapter 1, here's what he said. How long, O Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen? How much long? How much longer must I cry out to you? Violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked... Him and the righteous, so that justice doesn't happen. He's shaking his fist at God, friend. Do you see that? He's shaking his friend at God, his hand at God. We talk about social justice. Habakkuk's saying, God, there is no justice. The law is not working. The people aren't doing the right thing. Where are you, God? He's saying, why? Where did you go? Why are you ignoring all this injustice? And God answered Habakkuk. Interestingly, though, God's answer is, might surprise you. It turns out the book of Habakkuk is a great lesson in patience, hope, joy, and learning that God's plans aren't always clear or even understandable to us, but they are always right. My friend Dale Margaret says God is never late, but he's seldom early. <laughs> it's exactly right now. There's six lessons. There's probably a thousand lessons, but there's six that I pulled out of Habakkuk. It's a short little three-chapter book took me about 45 minutes to read through it the other day. But there's at least six lessons. There's thousands more, like I said, but six that I want to pull out today in a quick reading. And I want you to spend some time with it, okay? The way to prehab your life against all these troubles, all these massive things, is to put some good stuff in there that you can use as part of that hope muscle of memory and movement when you need to grab hope, when you need to engage the treatment plan. Put some prehab in there, and here's some from Habakkuk. I spent a fair amount of time reading it and thinking about it, and I've, re- I've recorded an episode about Habakkuk before, and it's important to go back and remember these good lessons and not forget them. So here you are. It's that when I'm stressed, when I'm hurting, when I'm anxious, when I'm worried, in fact, dealing with a big situation right now in publishing, and we're concerned about some things, and we're, we're stressed, and we're wondering what God's up to and why people aren't doing what they're supposed to do. And so Habakkuk is reminding and grounding me, okay? I'm always telling you, I call this idea that you can change your mind and you know navigate and take captive your thoughts and reposition your neurochemistry and make your whole life change. I call it self-brain surgery. And Habakkuk was in on it. He must have gone to medical school because he had these techniques dialed in that I'm always telling you to listen to and apply to change your mind and change your life. So Habakkuk's going to help us today. He's going to put on his white coat and he's going to help us know what to do when things seem hard. Habakkuk, friend, can help you change your mind. And the punchline is, we're going to get to it right now. You have to swap the thought cancer of if and when in your mind for the treatment of though and yet. The thought cancers are if and when, and the treatment plan is though and yet. We're going to transplant these thoughts. If and when need to get cut out and radically eliminated, and though and yet need to be transplanted. You have to swap them out. If and when, for though and yet. And we'll get to what it means later. But if you can learn to do that, then my friend, you will be in good shape. You'll get rid of those thought cancers. You can learn to change your mind and change your life to get through any type of stressful situation. And that's what we're going to do right now. Are you ready? Here we go. Okay. 
this is a tough time. Like I said, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. And I remembered my old friend Habakkuk, and I've talked about these thought cancers before. And I've got some stressful things happening in my own life, and we're dealing with a bunch of situations. And I've told you before that the writer Mark Twain said something that's always stuck with me. He said, history doesn't repeat itself often, but it does often rhyme. Okay, You don't always get to see the exact same thing happening, playing out. But if you're smart and you look back on history objectively, not for a political purpose or not to revise it to serve your own means, but if you look at history objectively, you can see some things that rhyme with what you're going through. And you can learn some things that help you deal with what you're, what's happening around you now, right? So I love how the prophet Habakkuk opens up and opens and closes the book, and it helps you, can help you see one of those history poems that I'm always talking about. Because what we're in right now, the situation you're dealing with, it's not the first time that people have faced this type of stressful situation. So Habakkuk opens the book with a prayerful plea to God, as we just talked about. And God's reply is basically, look, I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe, even if I told you. I, I use this as a chapter epigraph in my new book, Hope is the First Dose. I quoted that passage. I'm going to do something in your days that you wouldn't believe, even if I told you I was going to do it. And Habakkuk closes the book with this. He says, though... Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Though this is happening, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. So we're going to go through it. God says in Habakkuk 1.5, Look among the nations and see, wonder, and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe, even if I told you. Friend, Eugene Peterson talks about this idea of Lectio Divina, and Richard Foster taught me the idea of getting inside Scripture and putting yourself in the story. And, I, and I've done it for Lisa, or I've written her an email, and I've substituted her name in the places where Scripture would say you. And it's a powerful way to study the Word. Put yourself in the story. So hear this. If God says this to you, look among the nations, Lola. Look among the nations, Vicky. Look among the nations, Brian, Charlie, or Charles, look among the nations and see and be astounded for I am doing a work in your days, Dennis, that you would not believe even if I told you, Jackie. So that story in chapter one starts and he ends Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18, though the fig tree does not bud and though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord and be joyful in God, my Savior. Look, life can be difficult, right? At some point, most of us have wondered, where are you, God? We may have even thought, it seems like evil is winning and God is silent. We have a choice as to how we respond to the difficulties in our life, though. Can we choose, yet I will rejoice in the Lord today, like Habakkuk did? Or are we stuck shaking our fist? Habakkuk had an attitude that is worth paying attention to, my friend. He made a choice to choose joy. I'm always telling you, you get to choose. Nobody can choose what you think about. Nobody can choose how you decide to feel. You get to be in charge of that. You don't get to choose the circumstances or the stimulus, but you get to choose the response. Because you, my friend, are a self-brain surgeon. You get to choose the emotional, neurochemical, and spiritual responses that you have to have to the hard things in your life. You get to choose. You are in charge. You have agency and pathways to make your own footsteps move towards hope. You get to. And Habakkuk made the choice to choose joy. He was really upset by the spiritual situation that the people were in. The moral decline of his society, like we're looking at today, was terrible. But God's response made him feel even worse at first because God said, Hey, buddy, 
I'm going to do something you're not going to believe. And what God did was raise up an evil nation to punish Judah. Israel split off other nation. And Habakkuk didn't understand why God would do such a thing. He didn't understand why God would raise up these evil people to punish the good people in front of him. He didn't understand. But just two chapters later, he turned on joy because he had learned in those two short chapters how to rely on God's steadfast faithfulness and his unending love. And he learned to remember that he trusted God instead of his circumstances. Now, although the plan wasn't Habakkuk, but God proved that he's always up to something even when we can't see it. He wasn't using Habakkuk to do it. He was just revealing it to Habakkuk. And it's super important that when we can't see God's plan, we need to emulate what Habakkuk did. He learned to trust. He did the trust transplant, self-brain surgery operation. He learned to trust God anyway, even when he couldn't see it. He lived by faith and not by sight. He had that faith that created joy in spite of hard circumstances. And the secret was self-brain surgery. He stopped stewing in the bad neurochemistry cancers of if only or when this, and he swapped those out for the very powerful though and yet cures to the neurochemical thought cancers of if and when. How about that? Now, we've got a lot of ifs and whens in our lives, don't we? Don't we know somebody? Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Do you know somebody who never seems to be happy, who never seems to be content? They're constantly thinking they need this thing or that thing or a new car or a new house. Or they say things like, I'll be happy or I'll be happy if this thing happens or if I get that job or if that person proposes to me or if I buy this house or when she says yes or when I get a new car, then I'll be happy. Then I'll have peace. Then I'll find joy. Or if I get cured of this cancer, then I'll be okay. If my spouse doesn't get this bad diagnosis, then I'll be happy. But the problem is, friend, it doesn't usually work out that way. Henry Cloud wrote an amazing book called The Law of Happiness, and he said something that stopped me in my tracks. He's lining up science and psychology and and faith principles about what makes you happy. And he said, circumstances lack the inherent power to produce happiness. And the flip side of that, I'll say Warren's corollary to that, circumstances then, therefore, also should lack the inherent power to remove happiness. You have to separate them. If we have all these ifs, then I'll have peace, then I'll have joy, then I'll be okay, then I'll be happy. Guess what then? You'll just find something, after that thing finally happens, you'll just find something else to be discontent about if your happiness is tied to your circumstances. When the next thing, next time another bad thing happens, it'll steal your joy again. The ifs and whens might happen, but people still find ways to not be happy. Sometimes we get those things, but we can still be not happy. And you can see it. I mean, Sinead O'Connor just, we're not, haven't officially been notified, but it sounds like she probably took her own life. Now, devastatingly, she's this famous singer, world famous artist. Her son committed suicide a year and a half ago, 17 year old. Terrible. And I don't think she ever got over it. And it may be that she actually did commit suicide. But whatever happened, it was tragic. But the the fact is, you can't base your happiness or joy on what happens to other people, what other people do, what happens to the circumstances of your lives. You can't choose to base your happiness on anything that could potentially be taken from you or anything that might happen that actually doesn't have the inherent power to produce joy. Because people always find ways 
to move the target and be unhappy again when they finally get those things that if and when promised them. So you can't base your joy on who's the president or who holds the House or the Senate or the Supreme Court or who your governor is or what any politician promises you. You can't base your happiness on those things because if you do, you're going to be in big trouble when you don't get those things or when the next election happens. You think The thing that you think you want or need to be happy, you have a good job, you can pay the bills, you've got friends, you're married, you have everybody super great to you and all these things are good but then guess what you might be content or happy for a little while you might even feel joy but what happens when the massive thing comes back when the diagnosis returns when she leaves when you find out he cheated if life becomes tough because you lose a child like we did what if you lose your job you can't pay the bills you lose the house that you thought you had to have to be happy the market goes south they take away your guns or whatever it is that you're tied your contentment to if you lose that thing then you lose your joy because if and when lack the inherent power to produce joy what happens then Can you still rejoice in the Lord in those moments or are you wrecked by the circumstance of your life, friend? Here's the punchline. Circumstances must never be the dictators of whether or not you have hope or joy because if they are, you are in big trouble because Jesus said it plain in John 16, 33, friend, in this world, you will have trouble. Habakkuk's confident prayer, his confident choice to be joyful, to declare it was in verse 17 and 18. Like I said, it's a perfect demonstration of faith. He knew that this world was not his home. And he trusted God's plan, even when he couldn't see it. Now, this happens in the New Testament, too. Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He's talking about the peace that's beyond understanding, that you can't fathom, the kind of peace that gives you joy, even when you're going through hard things. John 15, 11, Jesus said, These things I have said to you, that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. He's talking about joy that's not tied to circumstances circumstances, it's tied to Savior. It's not tied to situation. It's tied to Savior. You tie your joy to something that never changes. And those two verses, they talk about peace and joy that are completely decoupled from circumstance. Remember I talked about, and hope is the first dose, and I've seen the interview, how I did all this research and how people handle hard things. And it turns out that the degree to which your joy and circumstances are coupled in your life is directly proportional to how miserable you are. The more you couple joy and circumstance, the more miserable you are. The less you couple them, the more you decouple them. The more you separate joy from circumstance, the happier you will be. And the path to becoming infinitely happier, my friend, is to decouple joy from circumstance. And that is the lesson of Habakkuk. Habakkuk lived in an uncertain time like we do. Habakkuk wasn't sure what was going to happen, and neither are we. Habakkuk raised all these questions to God and shook his fist in God's face and said, How long must I put up with these people? But he ended with, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And so the path from how long to yet I will rejoice is this. Are you listening? Look in my eyes. (laughs) The path that you take over three chapters, I would highly encourage you to go read it today because sometimes you just don't understand God's plan. Sometimes you just don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes you aren't sure if it's going to be okay. But you want to have joy during your days on earth anyway. And here are the six lessons I promised you from Habakkuk. God's ways are different than our ways, but we can trust Him. God doesn't do things like you do, like I do. God almost never solves something in the way that I think He will solve it. 
but he always solves it. Did you hear that? God almost never solves something in the way that I think he would solve it, but he always solves it. You can trust that. That's lesson number one. Number two, God is always in control. Even in times when it seems chaotic and confused, God is always in control. He is never out of control. We're often out of control, but God never is. Another lesson from Habakkuk number three, God always wants what's best for us, but sometimes getting there is really hard to live through. Sometimes God's doing something really good. Harvey and Lewis are growling a little bit in the background here. Sometimes God wants what's best for us. He always wants what's best for us, but the path to getting there seems impossible for us. Sometimes read, uh, read Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning sometime and hear what he says about the concentration camp, knowing God was going to get him out of it, but the path was really hard. Number four from Habakkuk, our job is not to always understand how God works but to always trust that he is working on our behalf all the time. Number four, listen to it again. Are you listening? Look in my eyes, <laughs> my dad would say. Our job is not to always understand how God works, but to always trust that he is working on our behalf all the time. The Bible's full of times when God says things like, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your way, your thoughts. I'm higher than you. I'm bigger than you. I'm doing stuff you don't understand. Our job, friend, is not to understand how God works, but to simply trust that he is working on our behalf all the time. Number five, as I said before, you can never find peace or joy through circumstances, but only through faith. Number six, we get frustrated when we think God should work on our timeline, but we get peace when we can relax. We get peace when we can relax that his timing is always perfect. Remember Dale Margaret said God is never late, but he is seldom early. We get peace when we relax and realize that his timing is always perfect. Now in the book of Habakkuk, God used this horrible, evil nation called Babylon for his good purposes. That's mysterious, isn't it? His ways can be so far beyond what we can think of or even understand or imagine, but we are called to trust him anyway, to live by faith, not by sight. And right in the middle of this little three-chapter book in chapter 2, verse 4, Habakkuk says the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. You can't live by what you have to see, and you can't live by your circumstances always working out for you, or you will never be happy, my friend. Now, those words, the righteous will live by faith, show up twice in the New Testament. That's how important they are. Romans 1.17 and Galatians 3.11, Paul remind us, reminds us, the righteous will live by faith. The only thing that you have that you will never, that you can never let go of, that will always give you peace is hope and joy. And joy can be found only by decoupling circumstances from peace of mind. To land on that, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. You have to land on it. Now you can rejoice no matter what you're going through. You can trust no matter what the outcome. You are complete in Christ because he is always there for you. His steadfast love never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Lamentations tells us they are new every morning. That's where hope comes from, remembering 
and moving towards the promise. That's why you can always land where Habakkuk landed. He did a trust transplant. He did self-brain surgery. He excised from his brain the thought cancer. He excised them from his heart, and he excised them from his life, sayings like, if God will straighten these people up right now, then I'll be happy. He quit hoping things would work out in his time frame and in his ways that he thought would satisfy his desires. Instead, he transplanted hope by finding the words, though and yet, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though my candidate might not have won, though my pot party is not in power, though my car payment is late, though my wife passed away, though my son died, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, here it is, here it comes. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, though my candidate may not have won. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, though the diagnosis is bad. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, though I have lost my precious son. I will rejoice in the Lord. It seems like evil is prevailing, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Habakkuk says he gets rid of if and when and transplants though and yet. And my friend, that is the secret to becoming infinitely happier. The question for you and for me, for all of us is this. What are you focusing on? What are you focusing on? If and when? And how is that working out for you? That's what Dr. Phil always says. How about though it didn't work out like I thought it would, though my job isn't paying me enough, though I have COVID-19, though I can't get over this cancer, though that relationship didn't work out, though the market is down, yet I will wait for the Lord. I will place my trust in Him. I will be joyful anyway. I will get rid of if and this and then and that or if and when, and I will replace it with though and yet, this is, this is good neuroscience. This is biblical. It will help you, friend. It will take a lesson from the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk. I hope this is helpful to you. It's exactly what I needed today. It's amazing how God puts all that stuff in your path. He puts Habakkuk on my brain this week, and that is why. Because I need to stop saying, if this happens, then I'll be happy. If this happens, I'll be okay. And I need to replace it with though and yet. Friend, this will make you infinitely happier. But guess what? You have to start today. Hey, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.